Hey, welcome to the Backyard Professor Responds videos. I found a, another video by a very enthusiastic Mormon apologist. goes by the name of Jeff Roundy. He's a very nice man. He's very enthusiastic, and he really does enjoy trying to find evidences that demonstrate that Joseph Smith's a true prophet, that the Book of Mormon is a, an authentic ancient historical record, and that the Book of Abraham truly is a justified and accurate, wonderful translation from the papyri that Joseph Smith acquired in 1835. And through translating this papyri, Joseph Smith gave the world the long-lost book of Abraham. And Jeff is very enthusiastic about his subject. And I can't help it. I like this guy. He reminds me of me when I was an apologist. Now, I've stepped away from apologetics because I've come to recognize the inevitable that I just, I cannot defend the indefensible. It is true. I am one of the original three founders of FAIR, the Foundation for Apologetic Information and Research, the internet's largest Mormon apologetic site. Uh, and I have since stepped away from them for quite a while now, and they, they went off in directions that I just, I could not go. So I've discovered for myself that uh, the book of Abraham just fails. Uh, Jeff Roundy has not seen this yet, and so it's a short video clip. It's on a it's on his website. I believe it's Latter-day Saints question or Q&A, Latter-day Saints Q&A. And this particular video that I'm responding to, I've got just a couple of small clips I'll show you, is uh, why I did not produce a video on the CES letter. And, and actually, it's good clickbait because he's actually, he admitted, he said, well, I've made about 40 videos on the CES newsletter. Uh, Jeremy Runnels years ago was asked by his uh, teacher in the Institute, the LDS Institute, why he was having so much doubt and problems and what were his main objections. And if he would write them down, the Institute instructor would answer them. So he did, and it ended up being over 100 pages, and the institute director never got back a hold of him. Instead, his bishop and state president came after him, <laughs> and he ended up getting excommunicated for simply doing what the CES director asked him to do. So the CES letter is a big deal. His analysis of the Book of Abraham was attempted to be refuted by the group at FAIR, and Runnels turned around and answered their response and completely thrashed them. Uh, I have not viewed those videos yet of Jeff's. I will in time as I have time. This one on the Book of Abraham caught my attention because Roundy is only looking at one side. He truly is. Uh, his presentation is quite lopsided. And as such, it just doesn't carry conviction. 
Now, that's not his fault. It's just that he is approaching this from the apologetic side, and he sounds so much like me. I mean, this is what I did as when I was in apologetics. This is how I was handling the book of Abraham. I would find some Egyptian connections, and I would think, aha, there's a hit. Oh, and Joseph Smith got that hit right. Oh, and Joseph Smith got that one right. He must be a true prophet. The book of Abraham is true. This is precisely how Roundy has approached the book of Abraham. Let me show you this first clip, and then I will respond to it, and I'll try to give you a little bit of background to it. Uh, it it's very interesting how he responds to this. I'm going to share one brief example of something I thought was interesting about assumptions and then even evidences and how these almost tied together. It was the book of Abraham. So when I did that video on the book of Abraham, I talked about there always could be this potential for a, a missing scroll that we, we don't have um, that was lost for, for in the fire or whatever. Now here he is talking about a missing scroll. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it, it's a very complex, detailed investigation. I do have many, many videos on it on my other uh, YouTube channel, Mormon Discussion Inc., I-N-C. The name of that series of videos, I believe I produced a dozen of them, is called Getting Clear on the Joseph Smith Papyri. And I did some on the facsimiles and so on and so forth. So he's bringing up this lost scroll. Now, why would he bring up a lost scroll? Because the main LDS scholar who does advocate for the lost scroll is the LDS Egyptologist John Gee, educated at Yale under Robert Rittner from the University of Chicago. Robert Rittner has completely demolished from an Egyptological standpoint this lost scroll, and John Gee just does not have the capability, perhaps. I don't know how to exactly describe him, but he, he will not accept the critique. Also on this lost scroll, John Gee tried to show that <clears throat> Joseph Smith had two scrolls. And they talk about that in the history of the church. Oliver Cowdery, one of his scribes, also mentioned the two scrolls with the mummies that Joseph Smith purchased in July 1835. John, when the Egyptologists translate the papyri, they don't get the book of Abraham like Joseph Smith did. So there's a problem. John Gee knows this. He can translate the Egyptian on the papyri itself, and it does not come out to the book of Abraham. So he advocates that there is a lost scroll that had the book of Abraham. When the papyri were lost after Joseph Smith's death, they, thought they were thought to have been destroyed in the Chicago fire of 1871. In 19... Uh, 67, the papyri were discovered in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, and it was given back to the church. These papyri fragments, they, they didn't come in whole rolls, they've been broke up into fragments, 
we now know they are the papyri that Joseph Smith had and translated from. The original of the book of Abraham came from these fragments that were returned to the church. The Mormon Egyptologists say that's not so. There's a missing scroll. They are forced into this ad hoc excuse for why Egyptologists translate what has been given and there is no book of Abraham. The deep irony is other LDS scholars beside John Gee got involved. Hugh Nibley had already been involved. John Gee got involved. Kerry Moolstein got his Egyptology degree at UCLA and he's involved. And Michael Dennis Rhodes also studied Egyptian enough to be able to translate it, and he himself got involved. All of these LDS scholars translate the papyri, and their translations agree with the Egyptologists. None of them get the Book of Abraham out of the papyri either, like Joseph Smith did. Roundy knows this. So for him to advocate this missing scroll theory, it just doesn't work. So let's look at his second item that I would like to uh, share with you, and I will do a brief response on it as well. Uh, that could be a possibility, but also very much could be that this the, the scrolls were just simply a catalyst for Joseph to receive revelation. There was precedence for this. Um, think about what we get from the book of Moses and Enoch, all that stuff from uh, just reading some, some verses in the Bible. So these catalysts that Joseph had had at times um, that, that he experienced. So um, here's what's interesting is, so then you see all of these fascinating things that we now discover. So I did the evidences video on all these ancient Egyptian ties now that are there. So how did that happen? And I think of it, I, I like to say the divine fingerprints. So the, <laughs> the divine fingerprint, what an interesting way to put this. The catalyst theory is their last resort. Uh, Mormon Egyptologists and scholars have attempted in every single cotton-picking way they can possibly come up with to save Joseph Smith's translation from actual truth. Because the truth is, Joseph Smith did not translate the Egyptian correctly. The Mormon scholars today do translate the Egyptian correctly, they just can't find the book of Abraham in the papyri any more than the Egyptologists do. So this catalyst theory advocates that Joseph Smith did not translate the papyri. He received his knowledge from heaven through a revelation. It was by looking at the papyri that he got the inspiration from God to translate the papyri into the book of Abraham, but he didn't know any Egyptian. So the catalyst is the revelation theory. God gave him the book of Abraham by revelation. Joseph Smith did not receive it from the papyri. This is an argument from desperation, which is so unfortunate for the Mormon scholars. The reason why that this is such a desperate argument is simply because we have 
what Joseph Smith described during some of the process of his translating the Egyptian. He directly identifies many hieroglyphs in the papyri. He says he was translating the papyri. So this is very ironic. In order to defend Joseph Smith, they have to ignore Joseph Smith and what he said about what he himself was doing with the papyri. And we have very good evidence in the book of Abraham itself. In the book of Abraham are three facsimiles. I'm not going to worry about the first facsimile. Hang on, let me get my trusty book of Abraham out. I'm just going to show share the uh, second facsimile. There's the second facsimile. It's a round picture. They call it the hypocephalus. It's, it's a cushion that Egyptians put under the head of the mummy. Figure five, here's how Joseph Smith described this figure five. He says, it is called in Egyptian, Enish Goandash. This is one of the governing planets also, and is said by the Egyptians to be the sun to borrow its light from Kolob through the medium of K. Ivan Rosh, which is the grand key, or in other words, the governing power, which governing power controls 15 other stars or planets. Also, Floes, or the moon, the earth, and the sun, in their annual revolutions. This planet receives its power through the medium of Kleflos Isis, or Hakokavim, the stars represented by figures 22 and 23. Now, Hakokabim uh, is the Hebrew, but no Egyptologist that I'm aware of. Here's the new information that I've received this last week from uh, the Egyptologist Tamas Mekis, T-A-M-A-S-M-E-K-I-S, who has been sharing his research on hypocephali, just like this one in the Book of Abraham. He's one of the world's great experts on it. And I am in collaboration with him now. He is sharing his Egyptological materials with me. He told me just recently in an email, he said, it really is sad that the Mormon scholars have to use a statement by we Egyptologists out of context in order to make it look like we are agreeing with Joseph Smith, but we don't. I have that straight from Dr. Mekas himself. So none of these words, the Enish Goandash, the Kai Ivan Rosh, the Kli Flos Isis, none of those are Egyptian words. There's no Egyptologist out there who would claim those are Egyptian words. And yet we find the Mormon scholars say that Joseph Smith got his explanations of this hypocephalus correct when he did not. No Egyptologist. And he, he went through about 22 of the figures. He discussed a lot of the figures in this hypocephalus. It was incomplete when Joseph Smith had it, <clears throat> and he actually did something really weird. He took some of the 
hieroglyphics from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. It was one of the rolls of papyri that he had. It was from a Book of the Dead. And he took some of those hieroglyphs and stuck it into the hypocephalus where there were gaps. And some of them he turned upside down. He didn't even realize he was gluing them in upside down. Well, the Book of Breathings has no relationship whatsoever to the hypocephali. So we can see that Joseph Smith is truly, unfortunately, just guessing. The real problem comes with facsimile number three as well. This is the final picture, as it were, in the book of Abraham. I have a copy here where I have color-coded it, and I will share with you what I'm, what I'm going to uh, talk about. Joseph Smith explains that figure on the yellow behind the man in the throne, this one right here, this figure in the yellow, he says is King Pharaoh, whose name is given in the characters above his head. So we see King Pharaoh here, and there's the characters above his head. Joseph Smith says, we know this is a king because he's reading the hieroglyphs above his head. So there's a king's name in those hieroglyphs, according to Joseph Smith. Then, going on to figure four, and that is the orange figure here in the center, Joseph Smith says, is the prince of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, as written above the hand. So he is describing the hieroglyphs that translate Prince of Pharaoh, King of Egypt. Now, the ironic thing about this is both of those figures are women, but Joseph Smith identified them as men. And both of those characters are Egyptian goddesses, and he identified them as mortals. One of them is Isis, the great mother, of course, you can tell by her crown on her head, the yellow figure behind the king's throne is the great mother Isis. And the other figure that he called prince is Mot, the, the goddess of justice, truth, balance, equality, favor, etc. Then Joseph Smith identified the, the white figure here, next to the one in green, Joseph Smith called this figure Shulam, one of the king's principal waiters, as represented by the characters above his hand. And it is not Shulam at all. Joseph Smith misidentified not only all of the figures in facsimile number three, he called the figure on the throne Abraham, it's not, it's Osiris, he not only misidentified the figures, but he did not translate the hieroglyphs correctly at all. And when Mormon scholars who have studied Egyptology translate these figures, these hieroglyphs in the facsimile, they also agree with the Egyptological translation. They can't find the king's name in facsimile number three because there isn't a king's name in facsimile number three. It's not a king. 
It's not a mortal. It's not a man. None of the figures are accurate. None of the hieroglyphs are accurate either. The catalyst theory is refuted by Joseph Smith himself. And this is why the LDS scholars do not discuss Joseph's identifications and translations. Consider with me. The catalyst says God gave Joseph Smith the knowledge from revelation of the Egyptian, of the meaning of the Egyptian figures, of the chapters in the book of Abraham, of the woman discovering Egypt underwater, of Abraham himself being sacrificed with a knife on an altar in a foreign land under Egyptian rule, none of the history in chapter 1 is accurate. It's not even realistic. So if God revealed all this to Joseph Smith, and it's all wrong, then the problem lies with God, who didn't know Egyptian hieroglyphics. And heaven forbids, we know the Mormon scholars don't want to go that road. So it is of the deepest irony that their own prophet, whom they believe they are defending, is the one who refutes their theories. The reason they have to come up with all of these wild ad hoc excuses and guesswork is because modern-day Egyptology has shown that Joseph Smith's Egyptology is wrong. But they want Joseph Smith to be right, and they want him to be in line with what we know today in Egyptology. In Joseph Smith's day, this was the pre-Rosetta Stone era. He could have said anything he wanted. And in fact, he did. And he got away with it in his day. He even got away with it intact with his prophet status because God revealed it to him from all of his followers' understanding. And so that's what they taught. Joseph Smith's treatment of the papyri, of the facsimiles, of the figures, the iconography, the mythology, the history, the politics, the religion, and the hieroglyphs themselves do not work. It's wrong. I have the Dr. Meccas, who is a world's expert on these kind of Egyptian documents and manuscripts, who says whenever you read of a positive connection with a, with a Mormon scholar's idea, with something in ancient Egypt, they have had to either twist, warp, leave something out, mistranslate something, rewrite the hieroglyphics differently. They have to do something manipulative in order to make the connection with the ancient Egyptian materials, and that doesn't work. So it is bankruptcy 
for the LDS scholarship. Now, I know that Jeff Roundy intends well. He's got a good heart. That's obvious. He's a nice man. He's just misguided by the one-sidedness of his approach. Now, I'm getting to know the Egyptologists. I'm getting to share information with them. I'm being able to learn from them. If the Mormon apologists really wanted to see if there is valid connections, they too should contact the Egyptologists. Well, as a matter of fact, they have. And they don't like what the Egyptologists say, so they ignore them and they create their own online Mormon journals, such as Interpreter, or they publish in Mormon publications only, such as BYU Studies or something along those lines, but they can't get published in valid Egyptological peer-reviewed peer journal scholars because their scholarship doesn't pass peer review. It has nothing to do with the Egyptologist being biased or wanting to be unfair, etc. It's that the Egyptology from Joseph Smith's understanding does not work. That's the bottom line for it. So when you see videos on the YouTube, when you see articles in the scholarly productions of Mormons that they themselves have had to produce because no one else is going to publish their apologetic, you can be sure that there is always something wrong with it. And that's an unfortunate state of affairs, but we're after reality here. We're not after faith promotion. What Jeff Roundy wants to do is build up the testimony of his fellow Mormons. He says, look, I have a parallel here or a parallel there, etc. Therefore, Joseph Smith's a true prophet. That's not scholarship. That is not how scholarship works. And the actual Mormon scholars now who have their degrees they honestly know this, but they're letting the apologists produce their YouTube videos anyway and produce their, unfortunately to say, slipshod scholarship on this subject. And it has no credibility. So I'm sorry, Jeff. I just don't accept your claims on the book of Abraham because we have a more full, a more complete, a more realistic understanding of the actual stance, status, and context of the ancient Egyptians. We've been at it for now for several hundred years. Uh, we, I mean we, common humanity, we have a pretty good handle of it now. Now, you nibbly used to love to do an ad hominem against the apology or against the Egyptologists, saying that they were biased and they didn't like the religion and they didn't like the implications of deification and so on and so forth. That's simply not true either. It's just that it's not Egyptologically sound 
how the Mormon scholars interpret and translate the Egyptian materials. That's the final verdict. And so we can say, well, you can try to continue with your faith promotion ideas, or you can come up to reality and accept the fact that nothing you have produced so far has convinced any Egyptologists whatsoever. Now, I'm going to be producing many more videos once I get Dr. Mekas's book on the hypocephali, and I will do several more Joseph Smith papyri uh, videos on this YouTube channel because that is the smoking gun that there are problems. Now, interestingly enough, the book of Abraham is involved with Egyptian. Well, this pairs with the book of Mormon now because it too is involved with Egyptian. Joseph Smith called it reformed Egyptian. It didn't matter. It's all not accurate as far as translation, as far as historicity, and as far as authenticity. So thanks for watching my program. I'll be back soon. You guys have a great day.